Everybody, welcome to uh, Church in the Valley. We're really glad that you guys are all here to uh, worship with us uh, this morning. Uh, we're continuing our series today called Relationships at the Box Office. And uh, usually the last few years over the summer, we've been looking at what the summer uh, hits are and looking at kind of themes that the movies are talking about and then comparing and contrasting uh, how the movies that we watch uh, compare with, with what the Bible says, compare with with God's view of reality. And that really uh, is what being a Christ follower is all about. You always are wanting to take the messages that you're receiving uh, in culture, through the media, in life, things that you've grown up thinking and believing. And when you commit your life to follow Christ, you're always asking the question, well, what does God have to say about that? And what's God's view on this issue or this circumstance or this situation that, that I'm facing? And it's really helpful in the in when you're watching movies to not just be entertained, but take a step back and say, well, what, what is this movie saying about how life works? And does this line up with my own experience? And more importantly, does this actually line up with, with how God says life works? And that's how you begin to evaluate the messages that, that you have. And so our goal over the last few weeks is to, to do that. Let's evaluate messages that we receive and then look at well, what, what does the Bible have to say about that? And so I just want to recap uh, where we've been in the movies that we've kind of touched on and the themes that we've, we've pulled out of that. Specific this year, we're, we're looking at what is these movies or what do these movies say about our relationships, specifically how we should treat each other, um, how we should uh, talk to each other, how our attitude should be to one another. And if you're like me, our relationships are they're everywhere. You go home and you, you're having to relate to people. You go to work, you're having to relate to people. Uh, that's how life is. And that that actually makes life good. The fact that we're not alone. But it also makes life sometimes very complicated because as you relate to people, you find that there's lots of things that can happen that can cause friction in a relationship. And movies are actually really good at bringing out those frictions, bringing out those problems and conflicts. And that's actually what makes for a really good movie. You see characters that are dealing with a hard situation, but part of what grips us is the relationships that are happening in the midst of that. And that's how life is, too. We have situations that we're facing, circumstances that we have to handle in our life, and at the same time, we can't just neglect the relationships that we have. And so we've been looking specific to what are the things that actually kill or destroy our relationships. And the movies actually highlight these a lot. And so we spent the first week talking about X-Men Apocalypse and the issue of, of pride and how pride really does destroy our relationships. Specific to the, the idea of when we don't forgive others or when we don't seek forgiveness our relationships begin to kind of get rotten and they decay. And over time, they, there's really nothing left. And so we talked about just how pride is something that you have to actually deal with. You have to work on yourself first. Uh, last week, we talked about the movie Now You See Me Too. And it's the idea of not being really honest with who you are and what you're going through. That The tendency that we all have to kind of want to, to kind of step back from people and want them to see what we want them to see about us, but maybe not actually let them see what's, what's really going on. In relationships where there's sometimes deception, and it's not really clear on, on what you're going through and what you're facing, it's hard to have enjoyable relationships too because people don't really know you and you don't really know them. So God actually intends us to move beyond pride, to move beyond secrecy and deception, to experience relationships his way. So I hope you've had some help so far. And this morning we're talking about an issue that 
on the surface sometimes seems like, well, it's not as bad as pride or it's not as bad as deception, but it's the idea of how does poor communication harm relationships? Has anyone here ever had a kind of a conflict in a relationship and you kind of take a step back and you begin to ask questions and peel back all the layers and when you come down to it, you realize like it was a communication problem. You guys ever had that? Like we just, I see some hands in the back, right? Just there's a communication problem. Like what I said and what they heard were different. In fact, good communication is sometimes very hard to come by. And it's the idea that I have in my head as I talk and I send information, they receive the same idea in their head and they match. That's good communication. But have you ever found yourself saying like, are we speaking the same language? Because what I'm saying and what they're hearing seems very different. That's very normal. But communication issues or poor communication, that actually can destroy relationships just like pride. Because as, as long as people aren't communicating in a way where people are getting accurate information and people aren't communicating about what's really going on, what you find is over time, poor communication just like weighs the relationship with all sorts of problems, misunderstandings, slights, bitterness, anger, and as you know, this just slips into a slippery slope and the relationship just becomes something where you don't even want to communicate anymore. And so if you've experienced communication problems, welcome. We all have. It's so common. But this can destroy and kill relationships just like the rest of the things that we're going to talk about. And so the movie we're talking about related to this is Finding Dory. Okay? I saw this last week for Father's Day. Went for a little Father's Day movie extravaganza watching Finding Dory. Cute movie. And if you've watched Finding Nemo, I recommend watching Finding Dory. If you've not watched Finding Nemo, watch Finding Nemo, then go see Finding Dory. But the story, I just want to give a brief synopsis, is she's wanting to find out about her family. and Find out where she is in life and how she got there. And if you've watched Finding Nemo, you know that Dory has an issue. And her issue is that she can't remember anything. She has terrible short-term memory. So for this instance, I'm not picking on Dory because she can't remember anything. Okay? That's a communication problem in itself. But what you find is, is her memory loss actually leads to friction in the first movie and some friction in the, the second movie. Because you could imagine saying something and then not remembering that you're, you say it. And it leads to some frustration. It leads to just misunderstandings. It leads to kind of going in the wrong direction because she's not sure what she said and, and what people have heard and, and all sorts of things. And so when you're watching Finding Dory, it's cute. And you actually, in this movie, this is not necessarily like, you know, stealing the scene, but you see baby Dory and she's a cute little fish. Okay, baby Dory. Not picking on baby Dory, but from a young age, she's had this issue and her parents try to work it through with her. Okay, so I want to watch the trailer and then I'm going to kind of talk about this a little bit more. Let's watch it. Field trip to the Stingray Migration. Stingray Migration. Migration is about going home. home. Which is where you're from. How do the stingrays all know where to go? Instinct. Something deep inside you that feels so familiar that you have to listen to it. <gasps> my mom, my dad, I have a family. We will never forget you, Dory. What if I forget you? I miss them. Do you know what that feels like? Yes. Then we better get 
short-term memory, which leads to a lot of communication problems. But in, in Dory's case, it's, it's really not her fault. She can't remember what she can't remember. And so in the movie, what, what's actually a really good thing is that despite the communication problems that she has, which is connected to her memory loss, the characters actually have a lot of goodwill for the most part. There's some frustration where people tell her things and then she asks the same question and they tell her again and they ask the same question. But there's a pretty good amount of goodwill where people cut her slack and they actually want to help her. And she's actually pretty reflective. She says something, and then she sees people react, and she's reading the characters. And as she sees them react, she has that thought of like, okay, by the look on their face, I think I might have told them this before. And so she asks, did I already say that? And you, you see this, this really high amount of self-reflection. Like, look at me. I'm getting all, like, fired up about a fish that's a cartoon. But that's why you watch movies. You find, like, these messages. But people are gracious. She's pretty self-aware. She kind of reads the rooms and realizes that she, she has this problem. So she explains it. And the whole movie is this like working through the midst of this communication problem that she has. And at the same time, trying to find where she's come from and, and her history. Okay. In real life, though, a lot of times communication problems don't end up being this, this gracious. Like where everyone's just like, I just got to tell you over and over again. Have you ever just told somebody like, you don't listen and have you ever followed it up? But I'm so glad to keep telling you the same thing. It's not usually how it goes. You may say it like that, but they know what you mean, which is like, you need to listen better. You know, and we grow up thinking that like our parents tell us, you really need to listen. And then we get in relationships and that may happen. Or we tell people like, I think I told you that. And there's this misunderstanding. And so in, in the real world, communication, again, leads to lots of problems. And there's actually been a lot of studies done about communication problems in relationships. And there was a study done a few years ago of mental health professionals specific to marriage. And they wanted to know what, what are the common, I guess, problems that exist in marriage that, that lead to divorce. And this study, I just want to read you this, this quote. And it says, not surprisingly, communication problems is cited as the most common factor, 65%, that leads to divorce followed by couples' inability to resolve conflict, 43%. The top communication complaints when considering divorce, 70% of men blame nagging and complaining, followed by their spouse not expressing sufficient appreciation, 60%. So the men are saying, you nag, you complain, you don't appreciate me. Okay, then 83% of women cite a lack of validation for their feelings and opinions, followed by their spouse not listening or talking about himself too much. That's 
It's from the, the, the website yourtango.com. Okay? It's actually like a, a dating kind of relationship website. But in the midst of this, they actually found some really good inform, information research, which is we want you to find a relationship, but know that there's a super high amount of percentage that's going to lead to some problems related to communication. And even in this quote, you get this, this tension, right? You get the men on their one side, like, I'm not appreciated, and the woman on their side, I'm, you don't listen to me. And you may want me to appreciate you, but I don't even know where you're coming from. You're not talking. And this is, this is how marriage can be. Marriage can be just like this. Just a lot of communication issues. But it's not just that. We, we have that with our, our roommates. We have that with our family, our parents, our siblings. Anywhere we go, we get this sense of, man, it's really hard for me to transmit my idea so they can hear what I'm saying and their idea of what I'm saying and my idea of what I'm saying is the same. It's actually a difficult process. And so I want to kind of talk about, besides just forgetting and memory loss, which is what Dory experienced, what were some of the things that, that kind of lead to this friction in our relationships? And so there's a few, a few things, and I've got some images to kind of tie that. But one of the things is we fail to talk about what we need to talk about in a relationship. Like, we just don't want to talk about it. This, this is kind of disturbing, I'll admit it, but it was kind of intriguing too. But that's how sometimes we, you know, ever since we're a kid, somebody asks you something and you just, and if you're really upset, you, you throw it away. <laughs> not only is this it, but you're not getting that key back. I'm not going to say. And, you know, as we're older, like, in our relationship, like, that doesn't really go over well. You know, your boss asks you something. You want to know where I was? You know, you get fired for doing that, right? But we do this a lot in our relationships. It's just, we just don't want to talk about it. And I know for, my, for myself, there's just times where I know I need to talk about something. Maybe it's with the family or with somebody that I'm relating to. And there's just a part of me that's like, I don't, I just, I don't want to do it right now. I just do. I just, I don't, I don't want to deal with it. You ever kind of found that inside yourself? Like, I, I don't want to deal with it. There's a few reasons for that. We just, we don't want to face situation we don't want it to get just awkward we don't want to take the time to actually kind of unravel why this communication broke down so sometimes we just have this approach like i just don't want to talk about it other communication problems that that hit us are the yosemite sam issue which is as we talk about things with somebody we can get so emotionally fired up like somebody says something and you don't know why but there's a switch that just got flipped and inside you're like Oh, it's on. You ever found that, like, that little, like, it's on. Like, you're ready to engage. And you're starting, like, the smoke isn't coming out your ears yet, but that's what it kind of feels like. A lot of times in communication, in our relationships, even with the people that are really close to us, it can get so emotionally charged. They say something, and we take an offense. And from that offense, we think, well, I'm wounded, and so I'm going to wound you because you wounded me. And we don't think of it like that, but somebody says something to us that's harsh, and then we're harsh back. Somebody raises their voice, we raise our voice back. Right? Or maybe it's not, you know, it's not yelling, it's just you raise your voice. Right? But it gets so emotionally charged that that oftentimes leads to the zipper. Like, I don't want to talk about it. Because every time we talk about it, we turn into Yosemite Sam. Okay? The third thing is we just want to express our own opinion. Oh, I'm sorry, did the middle of my sentence interrupt the beginning of yours, right? Like communication would be great if you just let me talk. And they're thinking, yes, 
Our communication will be great if you just let me talk. And that's what tends to happen. You've got two people talking and no one listening. Right? You ever done that? I'm guilty of this. In fact, this past week, a woman was having a conversation with me. And she was talking about a situation that she experienced. And in my head, I thought, I've had that same experience. So I was like relating to her. And right as I was like relating to her, like I've had the same experience. I thought, but I'm going to share my experiences. You're trying to share your experience. And I just cut her off. And I started sharing, yeah, that happened to me. And I just went on the way. And she just kind of shut down. And then I'm like seeing this happen. I'm like, wow. She was like moving her mouth. And then she stopped moving her mouth. And then I realized that because my mouth was moving. I didn't realize I was doing it. But I, I did. I shut her down. Thanks for bringing that up. That just triggered a thought I have, and I want to share that with you. That happens so much. Two people talking, no one listening. Over time, though, that really leads to a lot of problems. That just leads to, you're not listening, why am I going to talk? And every time we talk, we get so upset at each other, and so we're not going to talk anymore. And you find this. Over time, you look at relationships and some of the fragments and some of the problems that have existed, they've happened years and years ago to some sort of communication issue. A misunderstanding, some sort of resentment. And it harms our relationships in a real way. And what you find in the movies is, is oftentimes uh, there's two approaches in the media. That, like We just can say whatever we want because we're free to do that. Like, we're all about free speech, right? We could say whatever we want, how we want it. And there's no better time to look at our climate politically, culturally, where we're just at a time where anyone can say anything they want. And you could even put the hashtag, just saying. You ever thought about that? Like, it's just cream. It's like cream. It's like, I can just say whatever I want. And that's actually very true. We can say whatever we want. The problem is, is not everything that we should, that we say we should say. Just because we have freedom to say it doesn't mean that we should. And this is where the Bible is really helpful. This is why walking with God really helps. Because what you find is as you walk with God, the things that you're free to do, you realize that you don't always need to actually exercise that freedom. You don't just need to express your opinion because you have it. I don't just need to let someone know my own thought on something just because I have a thought. And so I want to turn the corner and look at what what does the Bible say about the power of our words specific to how we communicate with people? There's actually so much in the scripture about our speech, about how we use our tongue, how we communicate, how we talk. And frankly, I'm, I'm really thankful for that because we all speak. We all use words every day. And there's a tremendous power to what we say. In fact, as you dig into the scriptures, you find that. Our words actually have the power to bless or destroy someone else. They actually have the power to bless or to destroy. And I'm not overstating that. That's really true because of the things I've already mentioned. But Proverbs 18.21 says this. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So you get this, this, this sharp contrast. Life, death. Our words are giving life, they're constructing something, or they're destroying something. 
life and death. And then the second part of that, whoever loves it will eat its fruit. So whoever loves the tongue, it's the idea of whoever loves to hear their ideas, whoever loves to talk and think that whatever they have to say is the most important thing, you're actually going to eat that fruit that comes from that. So if you're somebody that, that just wants to share your opinion, if you're somebody that just wants to share your ideas, you may want to vent to people. You want to just let people know this is what you're thinking and going through. and You're not really caring about how it lands. The scripture's saying here, you're actually going to eat that fruit. You're going to experience that. And so I was thinking, you know, if, if you're somebody, and, and I actually struggle with this myself, if you love to share your opinion all the time, you don't listen to people. There's just a point in life where you have to think, if I'm always sharing my opinion and not listening to others, how is this impacting that relationship? So that's just a question. Because we don't think about that, but that's part of the fruit that we eat. If we're not listening to other people in our relationships long term, if you kind of extend that out, if this is my pattern as I relate to somebody, if I just don't listen to them and I'm always talking, you want to ask the question, well, are they going to begin to ask me things? Well, probably not, because if they ask you things, you don't listen to them. If you're not listening to them, then why would they want to ask you? And you see in a relationship that this, this actually happens all the time. People know what you're going to say, or people know that you aren't going to listen. You're just going to want to say something really quickly, and you eat that fruit. So our relationships can, can really suffer because of some of the patterns that we have. And so I want to talk about how to kind of identify these patterns of communication problems that we have, and then how to kind of turn the corner in our relationships and actually choose a better approach. Here's the good news. God provides the help to communicate in a way that actually blesses others. Here's one of the the major differences about following Jesus Christ. When you read the Bible, you're not just getting ideas. Okay, we, we, we like ideas. We like help. And so we live in a society where we can Google and go to the library. We can get kind of information about anything, even about communication, how to improve communication in your relationship. The difference about Christianity and about following Jesus is you don't just get ideas. You actually get the power to implement those ideas. There's nowhere else where you could get information and at the same time get the power to live it out. And that's what it means to walk with God. When you decide to follow Jesus, you have God living within you. That's his spirit. And his spirit, moment by moment, can actually help you close your mouth at an opportune time and not say what you want to say. There are so many times in my life that I look back on it and God just told me in the moment, keep that in. (laughs) Keep that in. And I look back and there's so many times where I didn't hear keep that in and I said it. And then I look at people and I think I should have kept that in. Right? We have that experience. But when you walk with God, this is so true. He provides the help. When people talk about walking in the spirit, that's this idea. As I'm relating to this person. As I'm walking with God and as I'm trying to do things his way, in a situation as I'm talking with my husband or a situation as I'm talking with my wife, I'm talking with my kids, I'm talking with a roommate, I'm talking with my boss, co-worker, there's a sense that as I'm wanting to say something, God can provide the help to actually say something that will be helpful. 
And that's how communication is measured in the scripture. It's measured by how much it builds or helps somebody else. And the more it builds and helps somebody else, the better it is. It's not just about ideas. It's not just about expressing freedom. It's how does that help the other person? And there's a scripture that talks about this uh, in Ephesians 4. And it says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The reason I talked about you get help is that if you look at this scripture and really believe it's true, to do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, that actually seems like that's a very extreme statement. Do not let any. And so you begin to think, well, what, what's unwholesome? Well, it's actually tied to doesn't build. No, unwholesome talk are rotten words that add little value. Now, we don't often think when we say something that that was rotten, unless we know we were just out of line and we crushed somebody. Then we're at the point like, oh, I think I crushed them. But here, here's some unwholesome talk that we have. Uh, harsh with people. Somebody asks you a question and it may not even be directed to them, but you snap. You just, you snap at them. And we can be harsh in different ways. Sometimes we can be harsh in very few words. Sometimes we can be harsh with many words. Sometimes we can be harsh with a look. And that's communication too, how you look at somebody. So we can, we can just be harsh. That's unwholesome. Uh, we can use humor or sarcasm at someone else's expense. If you make fun of somebody, um, if you're not clear with your intentions or you use sarcasm, oftentimes sarcasm really like muddies the water of communication. If you don't believe that, use sarcasm with kids. Like they don't get it. And then you get like, wow, we kind of learn over time that by the sound and tone of my voice, you should know that what I'm saying, I'm just not telling the truth. I'm just exaggerating or I'm saying the opposite. But you should pick up that what I really mean is the opposite. You know, it gets very muddy. And especially if we use humor at someone else's expense, it, it can crush them. They now have a reason to, to pull back from the relationship. Because they, they made fun of me. They, they hurt me by what they said. Remember the saying when your kids sticks and stones? Anyone know how to finish that? Sticks and stones may what? Break my bones, but words will never what? Hurt me. That's such a lie. I grew up saying that. Sticks and stones when we my bones. The only reason I'm saying that is because I'm going to cry if I don't say something else. Right? Yeah. Oh, thanks. I felt that. <laughs> but I remember, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I remember being a kid and getting made fun of. Why do I remember that? My bone wasn't broken, but my spirit was crushed. It hurts. Like, it hurts. I think about that. It's stuck. It's a memory from years and years. I could tell you all sorts of stories. We all have our own. That person that just made fun of us. Or the person that we maybe made fun of and we look back and we're like, man, we were so brutal. But as kids, we we have this, this idea. Like, it doesn't hurt. But it really does. It actually hurts you on the inside deep. So humor, sarcasm. Uh, Self-promotion. 
This is other, this is, you, you don't necessarily, unwholesome usually is like we say something gross, we say something inappropriate. That's our category. But unwholesome, again, is if it doesn't build the other person. Self-promotion is something that we do where we hear somebody talking about something else. This is what I was doing with this woman. She was telling me about a situation, and I promoted myself to tell her about my situation. It was actually a form of pride. Thank you for sharing your story. I have a story, and mine's really funny too. It's using an opportunity to talk about ourselves, which prevents us from listening to someone else. It doesn't build the other person. And then uh, emotional outbursts. Uh, this is just where we just let people have it. it. It doesn't build them up, but we've had enough. We're tired of the situation. We're tired of relating to that person. We get to that point where I've had it. Sometimes you say that. I've had it. That's enough. But all these, they, they, they destroy they don't build. And then the opposite of that is, is well, what's the opposite of unwholesome? What's this idea of what, what actually builds someone up? What actually helps them? And this is the second part of Ephesians 4. So do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So I'm wanting to build you up based on your needs. And as I do that, it will actually benefit all of us. Sometimes we may want to build them up, but oftentimes it's I want to build you up based on my needs that I have for you. That's actually not helpful communication either. Because again, it's still self-interest. And so... What are, what are words that actually build? Uh, encouraging. Constructive talk. Words that build up someone else. Uh, encouraging words. An encouraging word is something that you say to somebody else to give them hope. To give them hope. Just an encouragement. It comes in, in, in appreciation. It comes with something that you've seen, that you see in them that, that is good. You encourage them. We don't live in a society where, like, encouragement is actually really valued. Like, you do see it in sports and things, but oftentimes it's, like, based on the performance. And it's in a game. That's not necessarily real life all the time. But have you ever told somebody something that you appreciate about, about them, and, and they're, like, receiving it like, oh, man, like, there's a blow coming. Like, something's wrong. People just aren't used to it. But encouragement is one of the greatest things that the Lord gives us because God gives us hope. We actually have hope to change. We have hope to to walk with God and to please him in life. And so we have tremendous hope. And when we encourage people, it's like that hope that we get, we're transferring to somebody else. It's very powerful. Other types of building word is identifying with people. You can identify with somebody by when they talk to you, you say, oh, you know that? And that, that sounds terrible i'm really sorry that that you're facing that you've identified what what it is you've heard the need that they have which if somebody's sharing something which is really hard they have a need for just somebody to just listen to them 
So when you listen and you identify, you're, you're just saying, man, I, I'm really sorry you're facing that. And the opposite can be true. If somebody's experiencing something, they're really happy about something, isn't there a part of us that we're really cynical? Let's just be real. When somebody says something that's really, like they're really happy about something that's happened to them, there's a part of us that's like, why didn't it happen to me? And oftentimes our reflex is not happiness for the other person. It's comparison, right? We have to kind of battle the things within us like, mm, why do you get that? <laughs> We're cynical people. We need Jesus. That's our reaction most of the time. But if you can identify with somebody as they face something good and say, wow, I am so happy for you. That sounds great. They now think, like, wow, this person didn't have an agenda with me. Like, they, they just came alongside what I was facing, for good or for bad. Uh, the third part is instruct, instructive and helpful. To build someone up doesn't just mean you just say things that they want to hear. It doesn't just mean that you say nice things. There are times where you need to give instruction. But you give instruction to somebody that's actually helpful for them. Again, the instruction can help with their need. And so if somebody's facing something and you've identified with them and you've recognized what they're facing, there may be a situation in which you tell them, well, you know what? When I face that, here's something that that I tried and it really helped. Or as I was facing that same situation, here's a way that God really helped me. That gives hope too. Cuz what you're saying is I recognize what you're going through. I see what you're facing. And here's God in the midst of that. And you maybe give some instruction. Given the sense of like they're not alone in facing that. And then the last thing is, is challenging. Now, depending on the type of person you are, you may want to always flip this. Okay, especially if you're a guy. Men and women are made very differently. I would say pretty much as a rule, women are so much better at identifying with each other. They are. I hear women talk, I'm like, wow, man, they think about a lot of things, and they just talk about it. Like, guys, we just don't do that. Oftentimes, our first reaction is somebody's facing something, and if you're married to a guy, you know this. Somebody's facing something, and the guy's like, here's what you need to do. And you challenge them. Like, here's how you'll solve that problem. We're problem solvers. However, men, terrible in communication sometimes. Because the person oftentimes needs some encouragement and they probably need to be identified with. And so, men, if your first instinct is to challenge, which it probably is because that's mine and, like, that's what we do. Sometimes you just think, like, I'm going to challenge them, but I'm not going to say it yet. Just in your head, just say that, like, I will challenge you. You just don't know it yet. I'm going to encourage you first. And I hope it comes out right. That's what guys think about. Just, you got a problem. Man, you just need to get over it. You could do it. It's not a big deal. I face that too. Okay, when somebody's facing a crisis, like, thanks. Especially if you're talking to a woman, like, right? It doesn't go over as well. But for women, you can't just identify all the time. There may be some times where you need to challenge the person. And the challenge isn't like, you're not doing it right, do it better. The challenge is, you can do it. You can face this problem. And you can do the right thing. 
Again, you're giving them hope. That's what people need. They need people to identify with them, to encourage them, but they also need people to say, you can do it. As you take a step forward in the unknown in a decision, as you take a step forward to deal with a conflict, as you take a step forward to face something that you're not sure what to do, you can do it. And in fact, I'm here to walk with you through it. That's what we need. We need more building up constructive words in our relationships. Because the unwholesome talk, it's rotten. Just like Proverbs said, we end up eating that fruit. So I want to encourage you to just think through how, in a situation you're facing this week, you can begin to think through, how can I speak words that will be constructive? Maybe it's to one of your kids. Maybe it's to a spouse. Maybe it's to a coworker, Maybe it's to your boss. Just think about that. What's an area where you can begin to get rid of some of the rotten words, the unwholesome words, and speak the constructive words? And I want to just give you some more practical help in this. So here's some practical steps toward being constructive, not destructive. Okay? How do you be constructive, not destructive in your words? This was a verse I memorized. I think it was one of the first verses when I was in high school that I memorized. And it's James 1.19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. There's some so practical tools in the scriptures. That's why when you read it, that's where God provides the help. Because you get this idea, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. If you apply those three things in how you communicate with somebody, I guarantee that your, your communication and the relationship with that person can actually be real blessing to both of you. So, so quick to hear. What are they saying? And how can I hear them? There's a few things I was thinking about in my own life. How, how am I slow to hear? Okay? If I'm supposed to be quick to hear or quick to listen, how am I slow to listen? And it's a device I think all of us have. And it's a cell phone. I think a cell phone is like this. And this is just my own, like, I'm just being honest. One of the main reasons I'm not quick to listen to people is because, like, I want to look at my phone. It makes a noise. I want to check what that noise is. Because that noise is something really important. If I just let that noise go without me checking it, the world's going to fall apart. Right? And I've had people talk to me, people that I really love and I really care about. And they've talked to me. And without realizing it, they're talking. And I picked up my phone. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, no longer listening. Have you ever done that? I know this is where it gets real. Like you start talking about cell phones. Right? But it's, it's, it can be a barrier. That For me, just sometimes wanting to just have access to information or have my phone, like it doesn't help me listen to people. That's something I need to work on. Uh, slow to speak. Makes sense, but it's just that idea. Of you, just, you don't have to interject. And if you do interject, maybe it's not an idea. It's like, oh, wow. And you, you're identifying. And slow to become angry. It's just this idea of what they just said fired me up. And I want to react. But you know what? I don't need to react. I need to listen. I don't need to say something. I just need to listen. So this, this verse I remember just memorizing, James 1.19, it's been a tremendous help to me. I just want to close out with just 
how to apply this in your relationships this week. That's the goal of scripture is we want to learn what God has to say. And then we want to put it into practice. Okay. If we don't learn, then we can't put it into practice. And if we don't put it into practice, it actually circumvents the learning. Knowledge is always meant to be applied as you follow Jesus. As you learn more about him, he wants us to live it out. And so here, here's some steps. Um, my goal this week could be like this. I want to listen to the other person and ask, where is this person coming from? You just want to ask that question. Where is this person coming from? What are they facing? What are they going through? This is helping identify with them. And so if you ask, if you need to talk and you ask questions, one of the goals of asking questions could be, how can I better understand where they're coming from? It's not my agenda. Where, where are they coming from? Okay. The second thing is think before I speak. That's what James is saying. Okay. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. So there needs to be thought process. This is what you can ask. How should I respond in a helpful way? You have freedom. I have freedom to respond to people any way that we want. Unless you're under your parents' house still and they're parenting you, you can't just respond how you want. There's consequences. But pretty much in life, we have the freedom to respond how we want. But there's still consequences. And so one of the most important things about thinking before we speak is asking that question. How should I respond in a helpful way? That's what Ephesians 4 is saying. Do not let any, any unwholesome talk, but only words that build, that it may benefit those who listen according to their needs. And so I encourage you, and this is something that I'm going to work on this week too, these two questions. Where is this person coming from? How should I respond in a helpful way? Uh, there's a handout. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but we have an extra handout in your program. If you open that up, you see uh, this title of it called Technicolor Communication. Technicolor Communication, when they introduced Technicolor into movies, it was this first process of actually adding color to movies. It was like you first saw it in like The Wizard of Oz where like a black and white movie came to life with color. And it added just this dimension of movie watching that had never been seen before. You're actually seeing it like it was real. Like it just wasn't black and white. Like you're seeing it like in the flesh, all the colors. And in our speech, we actually can have and add colors to our speech too, so it brings it to life as well. And here's just a handout for you, just that you can kind of work on this this next week, of what are the situations that, that you face as you're dealing with somebody that can help you respond based on what they're going through. So once you've identified where they're at, and you've gotten a sense of what they're facing, what they're going through, you can use this to think, what kind of color can I add in to the way I communicate with them? And so uh, black is silence. If you're like me, you're like, eh, I'll just cross that one off. Like, who wants silence? Right? That's not communication. That's just staring. But you know what? I've heard, like, introvert silence is actually okay. Like, I don't have a category for that. Like, silence is awkward. Like, silence means something's wrong. Actually, silence means to other people, like, sometimes they're thinking. I don't know if you ever knew that. That was kind of like an epiphany for me, like, Oh, you're actually thinking. I thought you just talk, right? But black silence, maybe it's just a situation you're facing. You're like, I just need to be quiet. And then you can go on blue, 
they're experiencing sadness. So what are the words I need to say as I'm facing that? Purple, yellow, green, orange. I encourage you to go over that because if you're like me, sometimes I just need help with what is the situation that people are facing and then how do I match that up with how I should respond? Right? And this is just a way to help you with that. So I encourage you to look that this week the next couple of weeks, just kind of have that, put that in a place where you can look at that again, uh, take a picture of it. So it's on your phone. So you got an image. Just don't look at the image when someone's trying to talk to you. Unless like you need notes. You're like, hey, I think you're experiencing celebration. Yellow. No, maybe don't do that either. But that's just a help for you. I, I hope that that can be a help to you. I'm going to wrap up the service. So my words just don't keep going. and You guys can actually get out of here. And so as I do that, the band's going to come up and uh, there's some next steps uh, that you can take. And I've given you kind of a lot of things to think through. Um, but here's some on your connection card uh, that if you fi- finish filling out your connection card, uh, we're going to receive the offering and you can drop that that in there. But read that that handout and uh, just in the scriptures and, and ask God to kind of help you use that as you talk to somebody. Um, ask God for help. Another next step is just, as I'm talking to this person, God, help me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Just, just ask God for help in that. And then ask him to show you, is there any rotten, unwholesome words that you have as you talk with certain people in your life? Ask him to show you that. And as you, he shows you that, ask him to help you begin to choose constructive words. So I, I encourage you to take those next steps. Let's, let's pray together. God, I, I do thank you for being a God that that actually gives us the tools to live life in a way that is far superior to just left to our own default. And I know for me, just communication is, is a struggle, sometimes by what I don't say and sometimes by just what I say too much. And I know I speak on behalf of everyone, God, that relationships are, are hard and there's a lot of conflict and misunderstanding and God, help us to be people that want to use our words to give life and to help people. So, God, just give us a sense of how to encourage and how to identify, how to be instructive and helpful and how to challenge the people that we interact with. God, help us to put just a guard over our mouth so not everything that we think we say. And, God, just help us to ask, like, how can I help this person? Uh, with what they're going through. So help us to be people that, that really do this because this is, people just need people in their life that listen. They need people that identify and this is really what it means to love. And so we, we need your help. We need your power uh, to do that. And so I ask for it in the name of Jesus for all of us. Amen.